Sometimes you get lucky and your game is an instant hit without investing in growth. For everyone else, there's IronSource. IronSource is a game tech company which builds technologies that helps you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor Fund are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on to ironsource.com, that's ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. This podcast episode is also brought to you by AppsFlyer. Most of you are familiar with AppsFlyer. It's perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive marketing success. But what is attribution platform? Why do we need it? And why is AppsFlyer the best in the business? Brian Murphy, head of games at AppsFlyer. Can you answer these questions? Sure. Uh, right now, marketing budgets are being impacted. Uh, so the need for strong attribution and measurement partners is critical. Marketers should be focusing on what's working best. So mobile measurement and attribution partners who help provide uh, those insights are even more important. Mobile attribution platforms determine which campaigns, partners, and channels delivered each app install, and marketers rely on these insights to measure and optimize their marketing performance for both user acquisition and retargeting campaign. With one trillion in-app events measured each month, AppsFlyer is the most robust technology platform and mobile measurement partner for any game developer to distribute and engage their application to a worldwide consumer base. Our scale and data insights provide customers with unique ability to make informed marketing decisions. In short, AppsFlyer gives you the data and tools to market your games effectively. So there you have it, folks. Go to appsflyer.com and get yourself one of the best attribution platforms out there. Hey, folks, welcome to our next UA Coffee Talk. Today, we're joined by Monte Lonstrick and Filippo DeRose. Welcome, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about two very different perspectives on the future of performance marketing. The positive view, the changes currently impacting UA will shift the role of a UA marketer, but ultimately, the changes will not be so dramatic. So the changes will be more of a shift rather than a fundamental change. And then there is the negative view, the basic role of performance marketing and having a career as a UA marketer is basically dead. <laughs> it won't be the same and the role is fundamentally gone or will be nothing like what it is today. And to provide our audience here with some context, I wrote a GG Digest newsletter and Medium post titled, The Death of Performance Marketing, The Secret Interview. In that post, I wrote about some of the big changes happening that will impact the UA marketing role. And in that post, we did an interview both with Mate, who we have uh, on here today, as well as a confidential interviewee. And we discussed both sides of the arguments for what will happen. And we will reprise that debate again here today. And just, just so you know, I've asked Filippo to be, to take on the negative view as much as possible. So he's here both to represent his own views, but to also for intellectual debate and discussion purposes to explore that negative side a little bit more as well. But before we dive in, could we just kind of get an update from you guys? So Filippo, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? And then after that, Mate, it'd be great to see what you're most recently doing as well. 
So the the short version, because I have a bit of white hair, unfortunately, is uh, I have a technical background, a failed entrepreneur, and um, and then I uh, I flew around with uh, satellites and did all sorts of funky stuff in aerospace, and then I kind of switched careers, came to the U.S. and as a gamer, obviously wanted to get into games, but uh, the path to that went through uh, the dark side of the force, working for ad networks, and then I tried to migrate to the good side of the force a little bit, where I had a really interesting experience working for uh, data science, you know, I mean, an analytics company, which back in the day was uh, the king of the hill, on Facebook especially, and that was uh, contagion. And then finally landed uh, with the, the gaming people. And it was an interesting uh, path because um, I managed to live in the U.S. but work first with China. Uh, <laughs> so with ridiculous time differences. Uh, and then with India. And uh, that was a really good story, actually, because now the second version of that game is being published by Network. So that must have uh, been uh, the first version must have been good enough to make a second one. That's Star Chef 2 uh, being published by Network. I, I, I worked on the first one. And then I um, uh, went to uh, Pixelberry, where I started up the whole story that is now in the history books uh, with uh, going from zero to 100, let's say. Uh, and then I uh, left the US because I got kicked out by Trump. I mean, no, I'm kidding. I, uh, I did. I mean, my visa was <laughs> running out, but uh, I went back to Europe. And um, after a couple of uh, other exciting adventures, I landed a trap light, which is in Finland, but I live in the Netherlands. And um, pretty much the same story as at Pixelberry. Um, I landed a ground zero, and we're building everything from, from the bottom up, ad monetization, uh, marketing, analytics stack, the growth uh, machine, uh, and... Uh, and everything that comes with it. So lots of hats to wear uh, and building up a team uh, and so on. Man, so that, was, that, that was the short version? Oof. Okay. Oof. Fine. I did it. <laughs> I just want to go on record that I will be uh, antagonizing Matei's opinions. However, we are friends. I want, to, yeah, I want yeah, the record yeah. to know. May the record show that we are friends, but I have no fear in... Uh, <laughs> In, in antagonizing him. So he's antagonizing me now to provoke him. <laughs> let's see what happens. But yeah, okay, so let's let me briefly introduce myself. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the industry for like seven years so far. Uh, I'm from Slovakia and I'm based here. Um, I started in 2013 at uh, Pixel Federation, which is the biggest gaming company here. And then after five years, uh, left and joined Superscale. And um, like five years ago, also, I started running my own UA consultancy. And now these days, I'm focusing more on full time on the UA consultancy and helping the, my clients or my, the game companies to, to grow. That was the very brief version of introduction. Yeah, but you're younger. <laughs> that, okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right. And just to set the agenda for today, we will specifically cover number one. How will UA teams change in the future? How big will the teams be compared to today? Two, is there a career in UA anymore? Number three, how much measurement will be possible for UA five years from now? Does that mean we have to act more like brand marketers and be less data-driven? 
Four, who will lead free-to-play marketing teams in the future, brand or performance? And five, how much can we or should we trust Facebook and Google? So starting with the first topic, uh, well, let's jump right in. How will UA teams change in the future? How big will teams be compared to today? Uh, and just to stir the pot a little bit, here is a response from that GG Digest post that I mentioned from our confidential UA expert. So he said, teams are going to get a lot smaller. You don't need 20 people optimizing all these levers because the levers are not available anymore. We will have more focus on creatives, messaging, and brand building, and on the other hand, less control and visibility on what actually works. Most of the heavy lifting will happen by the algorithms developed by Facebook and Google. It's common these days to make changes and hurt your campaigns because changing the signal can throw the algorithm off. Moreover, some of these algorithms penalize constant change. Whenever the algorithm goes into learning mode, you are wasting impressions that could have gone to qualified audiences. Therefore, you will be able to spend larger budgets with much smaller teams that combine technical and creative backgrounds. Okay, Mate, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we all, all agree that uh, the change uh, is gonna happen here. I mean, it's, uh, it's almost inevitable that this change will take roots across the mobile um, ecosystem. As fewer and fewer people are needed actually to to be in the company to scale marketing spent um, on the most important channels, which is Facebook and, and Google, obviously these days. But the reality is that you know, for Facebook, event-based um, strategies like VO and the value-based optimization and AEO, uh, the purchase campaigns with, uh, with campaign budget optimized campaigns, these these um, changes are you know helping to change account structures from having hundreds of campaigns or thousands of campaigns to actually get to the smaller amount of campaigns and you are able to run the with the same efficiency at these days uh, with the lower amount of uh, campaigns and since like google uac campaign function is the same way so basically a marketing team that are spending uh that is spending actually millions um, of dollars per month um, might be only one or two to UA people or dedicated UA people for these channels. So, well, I think um, the need uh, for like having big teams or having like uh, campaign managers and media media buyers is going to decrease going forward because of you know these mechanisms of, of these algorithms and campaigns creates more demand for like data analysts and the creative artists or creative um, managers in uh, in a sense that um, this didn't exist before so basically like all in all i think the the mobile marketing or mobile user acquisition teams uh will shrink okay i mean he's he's stealing my thunder a little bit right <laughs> he's taking the negative view he should have said something like no they'll become huge <laughs> you know no no i mean i mean obviously jokes aside i agree with him um there is definitely i don't think it's possible to have a, a disagreement with that my disagreement comes down to the notion of like ua the the term that was invented right let's say last decade that's that's what needs to change and how are we need to embrace that change because the we need to have 
more people that less smaller teams, but more people that have a wider spectrum of talent that covers some of the things that Matei said, the, the data piece, but also some um, knowledge of product design, uh, customer relationship management, the creative, and obviously every talent has, you know, a, a specialization in something specific, an expertise or a passion. Um, but being able to be like a, a Swiss army knife, right, uh, to think of the more holistic picture because the media buying and all that is really something that a machine should be doing, and I'm a big fan of uh, automation. Uh, but the human brain uh, is uh, different from a machine, and we have perspective, right? So we can offer something uh, different when we are thinking about UA. Um, and we need to really embrace that there is an incredible opportunity here of being able to follow a human being through a you know a supermarket which is virtual okay uh, we were able to track their behavior in incredible ways and that data is just something no one else has right and we can what we do about that data. First, how do we collect that data and interpret that data? Uh, and then what we do about that data, because more often than not, we're just collecting tons of data and doing nothing about it, not even understanding half of it. Um, so we have the, the, the levers are in some sense more on us than on the actual channels. But then I also disagree. I think on the channels, there are different levers from before. And being able to pick up on those nuances uh, that are very specific to how your audience and your product behaves, right, in response to that channel. Uh, those are, again, the levers are on us because it's our product. Uh, but we can still pull some levers. It really depends on what you're throwing out there on the channels. No channel is ever going to have as, as hard as they try. You know, just press a big red button and off you go. And everything magically happens. Uh, it's just not possible. In terms of the scale of this team reduction, is it 10 to 1? Is it 20 people to 2 people? Or what's the... And so when we're, when we're talking to all of our UA friends and there's 10 of them, are nine going to be gone in five years? Like how, how big is the, the scale in terms of the reduction in, in your opinion? Since, since it sounds like both of us agree, there will have to be some reduction in team sizes. I mean, as, uh, as also Philippe mentioned, the automation will play a huge thing in, in the team reductions. But I don't think like it's going to change from 20 to 2 immediately. Like two depends also on the seniority of the of those UA uh, UA people. I mean, um, like two really senior people can handle um, millions of budgets. But then you know, if you want to have a couple of minutes of your free time, and or you want to you know go to to actually uh, like eat and stuff, 
So you definitely need more people to, you know, um, take some responsibilities and, and do some the some real work. So I would say like from 10 to 5 maybe uh, would be a good percentage. But again, it's like there is no specific um, reductions that I have in mind. But I would definitely say no, like from 20 to 2. But there will be something that's going to gonna happen, but not that significant. Okay. Actually, on, on this mm. one, I can pretty easily uh, uh, push back because the last time, and it's, it's happening again here uh, at Traplight, but if I, if I take the Pixelberry example, the first person uh, that was, um, the second person that was hired was um, uh, the creative lead. Uh, so the focus was, of course, on building out the creative people and we um, reached uh, a significant amount of scale with only one person, well, one plus me, um, uh, to, to, to really worry about the UA. So if people can reinvent themselves to cover different disciplines, like I was saying before, then you know, there won't be any need to get rid of anyone. <laughs> um, but my my personal experience and my opinion as well is i'd rather hire first to get like all the ducks in order for data all the ducks in order for creative maybe even somebody to take care of all the sort of life cycle marketing and social media community etc um and then you know uh add more people i do agree with mate of course like Adding more people, if you find senior people, then it's very easy to, to do, you know, you and the other person, several million uh, in spend because a lot of things have become automated and, and things from a certain point of view have become simpler. Right. And sorry to interrupt, but does this also change the kind of calculus about when you start to build an internal team because it is simpler, because you need fewer people? And maybe now the the way that game, gaming studios will be thinking is that as they initially scale, that they'll just kind of do some of the stuff on their own or use an outsourced UA agency or something like that. And then when they get to a certain level of scale, then they'll start building out the internal team. Does this kind of calculation change now as well or no? What, what do you guys think? You can continue, Filippo, if, if you want uh, with, the, with your thoughts. I have um, something on my mind, but... <laughs> <laughs> well. Let, you, we, you were interrupted. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, no. I mean, I mean, it's all it's all in a good flow. So okay. uh, this is a good follow up question for sure. Okay, because I always uh, always thought that um, you know, like um, smaller gaming companies, all the like C level guys need to understand the the, the UA first, and uh, I think like they need to do the uh, do the initial tests and everything by themselves in order to start building the team, because um, obviously like right away, starting building UA teams without any understanding is definitely not the, not the good way for moving forward. And uh, that can be very dangerous for like the overall growth of the company. Uh, well, I, I have to uh, agree uh, with, uh, <laughs> with my friend. Now, I think it's very, very important to have at obviously not necessarily founder level, but somebody with a seat at the table 
as early as possible with that uh, know-how and expertise because it has to influence as well the design strategy and it has to influence the way like uh, the team is built out also on the dev side for if you need a data engineer or you need a server engineer specifically for data we still have for obvious reasons studios that just focus everything they've got due to limited funding on um, just the content which is super important of course but forgetting everything else uh, is is a bit of a it's a bit of a mistake and leaving it to the last minute because you're always running for the door so I'm very used to like coming in at ground zero and just sort of having this a six month or three month rush pre-launch and and just set everything up really quickly with tape and glue and uh, hope that it holds and then get it better after launch and uh, I mean you know uh, it's worked so far definitely but if we want to get you know you want that competitive advantage by having your data and really know what to do with it better earlier than later for sure and then you know after launch I think you can think about you know adding more people but yeah I think that's I don't know how in disagreement I am in this case. <laughs> All right, moving on to the second topic. So is there a career in UA anymore? And Filippo, uh, you seem to mention that it sounded like what you were saying is that people are gonna have to change to be more like Swiss Army knives or broader basically. And just so you guys know, the confidential UA expert in that former piece that I wrote up, he's actually out. He's, he's basically, <laughs> left the industry so he's already he, left i believe so i believe so so uh okay so it definitely has shifted but i what, what do you guys think did he get out like after the interview or no it was <laughs> as it, a result that's why, that's why it was confidential <laughs> yeah it's confidential so <laughs> well, um, people thought that uh, he he was made up so uh, yeah it, no good, definitely good, to, uh, hear, no good to hear that this yeah this person exists yeah <laughs> Uh, Mate, please, you, you start always with the positive note. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, this is, you know, um, I still believe and I think uh, there will be uh, a career in the UA and it still is. Uh, because the, we, we heard this uh, a lot in the last years and I'm hearing this like in almost every year, uh, over year, like performance marketing is dead, UA is dead, everything is dead. But um, in, in the UA career, I mean, it's definitely changed since I got into the gaming industry, which was seven years ago. And, um, and me personally, I'm definitely like a different UA manager than I was uh, back then when we had this Facebook uh, Canvas desktop things with the very, very small banners on the right hand side of the Facebook and uh -huh. C CPIs <laughs> were super low. And that was all, all you, you cared about. But, you know, UA manager needs need to change and that the career um, or, or the skill set will change and is changing year by year. Um, but, you know, that's that's uh, the part of the job and uh, that's why I love the job as well, like learning and improving your skills and uh, and adapting to the, the current situation on the market and in, in the gaming ecosystem. And, and you know, and also like looking um, into the future, what's next and what needs to be changed and um but yeah basically like i still believe there will be a career in the ua and there is still a career in the ua it's just gonna require a slightly different skill set or um yeah as, as you mentioned be more like a, like a swiss knife 
Yeah, I think, you know, uh, again, it's hard to disagree with that. What I can add to that maybe in a more uh, negative way <laughs> no, but uh, um, it's just, I mean, it's not for everyone, you know, uh, if, if people, uh, yeah, I have seen people depart um, and change because they're looking for something a little bit more stable. And honestly, it's dreamland. If you think that in the year 2020, you find a stable career, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're dreaming. Of course. Even, even a massive organization like Uber managed to fire people. Okay. It was COVID, but you know, I think, uh, be ready to change and be flexible. Uh, that's really, really important. And so that's what UA is demanding. It's demanding to, um, stay humble and, and just keep learning, um, which is hard for a lot of people who, you know, um, can be, there's a lot of, there's a lot of self entitlement in UA. There's a lot of people saying I'm the best and I can do great things because you need to, you know, sell yourself that way. And, uh, and so a lot of people just would rather stick to tried and tested approaches um, instead of just re redoing everything uh, from from scratch. Um, so uh, you need to reinvent yourself um, constantly, which doesn't mean you need to change your narrative. You need to actually change your skill set, like Mate was saying, in the sense that you need to really understand certain things. Of course, there are areas that each one of us really loves like some people might prefer looking at numbers and others might think more about branding and um but we do need to you know stay relevant and to stay relevant it takes um <laughs> keeping a finger on the pulse you need to even train if necessary you know with uh, whatever uh, courses in digital marketing or you know um so I think there is, because things are constantly uh, shifting. And, and the biggest shift I think that is a hot topic in the industry is being able to be very cross-functional, talking to uh, the dev team, the product team, uh, and just being much more, um, uh, blending yourself with, with many different functions in, in the company uh, because you are dependent on them in order for you to succeed. And yeah, so maybe just moving on to the third question. Uh, I mean, I could ask you some questions about specific skills, but I think we've covered that. I think another interesting aspect of this, which maybe we could cover in a future, you know, future uh, in, uh, discussion is more about, you know, the skills from performance marketing to influencer marketing, because it definitely seems at least on the PC console side that, that's now like the main thing driving, yeah. you know, marketing, for, at least on the PC and console side. But moving on to our third question then. So how much measurement do you guys think will be possible for UA, let's say five years from now? I think since about February, I personally have been hearing more and more about rumors around the, you know, loss of device IDs by both Apple and Google. And so if this trend continues in terms of loss, loss of data, not only from Facebook, but also on the device level, and then now, does that mean that we have to act more like brand marketers? What, what do you guys think? Well, you know, me measurement, I, well, I don't think still like with the, all these uh, brand marketing, we, uh, it's, it's, it's actually going to happen, but that's, uh, that's, a, that's a different topic we can cover in, uh, in a bit. But the, like back to the measurement, I, 
think the measurement and not think, but it's like the measurement is a vital part of mobile marketing. And it's, it's the same as, as with the, with the UA career. I mean, we are still uh, going to measure the, the KPIs and I'm always um, on the positive side. And I don't think like uh, this is going to dis disappear or change dramatically from uh, where we are at the moment. I mean, we still don't know what's going to happen in one year, not, not even five years. I don't know. It's like another COVID or another change of uh, Facebook terms of service, maybe, or uh, um, losing the, um, the mobile device IDs. Well, but what I do know um, these days, I mean, as I mentioned, the Facebook changed the terms of service. And, you know, there are already some agencies that um, store their clients' data in, the, in their data warehouses, which um, slightly violates those uh, terms of services of, of Facebook and, um, and also, I think, AppSlayer and, and mobile measure partners. So we actually don't need to look that. Uh, that far into the future to see like the measurement um, is changing um, at least for vendors or agencies already. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, uh, another beautiful hot topic with lots of, uh, lots of hot debates. Uh, the fundamental issue here is privacy versus profitability, right? Um, and uh, let's be honest, no one's you know, like Facebook, Google, any one of these players is just going to say, oh, we'll just give up on 50% of our revenues because they're untrackable. Uh, so, yeah, device IDs will disappear. Something else will, will take its stead um, because everyone's going to want to continue, you know, taking a piece of the action in this ever-evolving industry. Uh, it you know, removing trackability is just going against all interested parties. Uh, but the party lines have to be, you know, very great privacy consciousness and everything else. Um, but what is needed to change really is uh, we really need to come together and think about how we do this attribution. This is, this is a big problem because obviously... <laughs> How do you bring together the same table, Google, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, on the subject? Um, but we really need to, we're, the, the, we still have very limited visibility of what exactly is our customer's journey as they discover us um, and they go through ads and so on. How many of our ads are they seeing, right? Because there's those theories of, uh, Put your ads everywhere so there's this constant bombardment or do I just need one or two? Uh, and with, you know, last click and view through, we're getting, we're getting pretty much a very limited picture of that. So it would be nice, but I get shut down every time I say this. A little bit of standardization around this, just, just a teeny bit. Uh, without disrupting innovation, because standardization is seen as the European communist standardization. No, we're talking about inciting innovation by having equal rules of the game. So um, it will take some years, uh, but um, just, you know, a, a more fair playing field for everyone that everyone can stick to, you know, just, just saying, like, um, <laughs> 
I know it sounds utopian, but maybe at some point to make spending more efficient, people will come together and say, okay, well, maybe we should say, how big is that last click or some other attribution window and attribution methodology. Um, Moving on to the fourth topic, who will lead free-to-play marketing teams in the future? Given the loss of data, will it be more brand-like? <laughs> will it be brand or is it going to be performance? And we, we've already, we're already seeing some companies in the you know, free-to-play mobile space shifting their leads to brand people. <laughs> so what's, what's going on, guys? Yeah, we've talked about this before with, uh, with Nibo and, and John uh, on, on our last, uh, last podcast. But I, I still believe that uh, the, like shifting more to brand and other companies in gaming won't this won't happen anytime soon. I mean, you know, still as measurement, you still are going to be measure and evaluate like campaigns, creatives, analyzing the player segments and, and create lookalikes and everything as before. Well, almost exactly in the same way as, as before, but not that differently to think that mar- brand marketing will take all, all over the place and replace performance marketing. I heard yesterday on uh, one of the conferences uh, term like brand formance. which is kind of which is kind of use that in the past yeah brand formants which is which is really nice but i mean we we talked about this also with guys uh, last time there will be no brand or ua or performance i mean it's going to be all in one mobile marketing and there will be no differences that much as as they are maybe now I think this is related to our human need for labels, um, and which is particularly emphasized in the U.S. Because I've had the, the great fortune of working in the U.S. and working in Europe, and now I'm back in Europe, um, where we need titles, right? And so we know our place in the universe. Um, and I decided now for the past couple of jobs to pick the title of growth, although it it's dangerously close to these uh, horrible things like Growth Ninja, which, uh, you know, like, <laughs> I don't care as long as I get results. Call me whatever you well, want. From now on, uh, you are a grow- chief growth ninja. No, my God, don't call me that or I'm just, <laughs> we're not going to be friends. But uh, okay. um, basically, uh, just uh, um, the generic term growth, I think, is, is the most relevant. Because if we keep thinking UA and we keep thinking branding, there are already a blend of two. And actually, on your note, brand formance, I've typically used it in, in, in my work to say, once performance has been around for a few years and we've reached a certain scale, then we need to start thinking differently and it becomes more like brand formance. I know it's terrible. I stole that from somebody. I don't know. Who. But uh, I just want to go on record. I stole it. Uh, but uh, I think, um, you know, that we should already be thinking about uh, typical example. Uh, it's so easy, uh, given our expertise and the levers that are still there. Let's do clickbait, right? And I mean that in a very elegant sense, meaning not gratuitous, stupid stuff, but stuff that really grabs your attention. and is quite a divorce from the from the app or game you're advertising. And that's great, and that works, but what is the long-term impact on your brand? 
when you, you know, I, I am now working on a game, which is quite humorous in content, but it's ultimately a mid-core strategy game. So should I put the main character, one of the main hero characters taking a dump on the toilet because it grabs your attention, right? And destroy my brand for the future. Or it might actually be great for the brand because, uh, you know, it's a funny character anyway, and he does funny things in the game. So these are all the questions we should be asking ourselves uh, as growth people, you know, not just uh, get me that ROAS. <laughs> yeah, we need the ROAS to keep the company afloat. But we also need to think about these other things. Who is going to lead the future is the, the Swiss Army people. The Swiss. Right. <laughs> the Swiss. <laughs> yes, yeah, so someone who understands both brand, who understands performance, maybe you know, also having a deep understanding of the influencer marketing spaces that's growing. But you know, one one thing I will say is just from my own personal experience, being here in Silicon Valley, what we see a lot from heads of growth in more Silicon Valley product companies, but not so much in the gaming companies, is something what I would call more of a growth strategist, someone who's got like, who articulates what the overall growth framework is and understands like the exact equation that drives growth for their game or their product. And so maybe, you know, maybe the person that should be leading the free-to-play marketing team for games should also not only be more the Swiss Army knife, but also be more the growth strategist as well. But well, we'll we'll see what happens. Definitely agree with you. I'm not going to be yeah. uh, against you on that one. <laughs> so, final question: How much can we or should we trust Facebook and Google? So, the the point here for our audience is that because Facebook and Google are sucking up so much functionality, uh, they've got a lot of they're, they're a black box. They're doing a lot of stuff, and you're trusting them with the money that you're giving them, and they know all of your all of your data, how much players in your games are, are spending. And so when they, so we don't know if they're being fair or not, right? Like the margin that they're taking may, may be a lot more than, than I mean, they, they, they could just cheat and take all of your margin if they wanted to. So given that, what, what, what's, what should be our perspective given that what we have seen, whether it's from established companies like Amazon or other companies is that when we put some of these companies in positions of power, they have abused it. So, so what do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Matei is wearing a Google t-shirt, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, well, what is this? The U.S. society, U.S. society t-shirt with the uh, Google branding, but I'm also going to say Google is not the most trustworthy company in the universe. <laughs> um, and also like Facebook as well with the breaches and, you know, the Cambridge Analytica stuff and scandals, uh, you know, it's very, and it, it is, and it's going to be even harder to trust anything they say or a report in the, in the ads manager or uh, any dashboards. But um, I mean, is there anything we can do about it or we just, you know, try to, to squeeze the best out of the numbers we can see. So it's going to be definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, uh, congratulations on picking hot topics for a small coffee talk conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, each, each question could go on for like, days. For like two, two hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the, 
you know, uh, people are going to hate me now for, for what I'm about to say. That's good. I, I, I want to <laughs> please hate me some more. Um, there is always, uh, I've, I've been in meetings where like people go and meet with Facebook and Google and they're super defensive. You know, you're Facebook and Google and I hate you because you do all these things. So um, we need to, first of all, split the public appearance, the consumer appearance of these companies versus what we are doing with these companies. Uh, it's a very different story. Um, and if, if we really want to call a spade a spade, we probably take the, the, the same sort of position as them as far as the consumer. I mean, we are using their functionality. So um, we, we gain a lot of benefit for a lot of the things that they take heat for. Um, from a data standpoint, are they 100% innocent for, for what we do in marketing? Absolutely not. We will never know the margins and all this. But the bigger question is, do we care? First of all, it's all about the people you work with. And so far, most of the people I've worked with in these companies have been really, really smart and really go to bat for you. Because they know that if they're not getting you results, you're not going to spend any more with them. And you'll just figure out another way of spending the money. Yes, do they have an enormous share of voice? But it's not exclusive, is it? If you really think about it, that human being, you can find somewhere else somehow. You know, So um, it will take you more money and it will be harder to do. Um, so the great thing is we can reach to a huge amount of human, be human beings really easily and really cost efficiently, right? Who cares if they take a lot of money if you are able to have a certain cost efficiency and also build your own business? I'm, I'm, I'm actually absolutely fine with that because at the end of the day, the people that I work with are not you know, shortchanging me, those people, because they are trying to get me uh, you know, the results. Some people actually evaluate it based on the results that they're getting us, right? Because the better the results, the more we spend with them. So they're incentivized. Um, but also, I just, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense for their future to get into some kind of sort of thieving business because it just, you know, um, every, if we look at it as just a consumer product, every great gener, you know, every generation has a great consumer product they get stuck on. So we're seeing this, right? Snapchat, Pinterest, TikTok. What's next? You know, there's Yubo in France. Um, so these guys have to stay relevant. They have to stay important. They have to stay, you know, ahead of the game or a new generation of kids comes along and uh, makes a new product and blows them out of the park, right? So um, I think that they have a very different set of problems because they're very wealthy, but they still have a lot of problems to deal with. And, uh, you know, we will see much more diversification, undoubtedly, just look at what's happening with TikTok these days, right? So I don't think for all products, we can just survive on just spending on Facebook and Google. But in my experience, I've never just been able to do that. So was I uh, against you enough? I mean, I can... <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I'm pretty, uh, pretty surprised. <laughs> but you, you were more on the positive side this time. Yeah, it was yeah, weird, right? Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. you were, um, Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah but all right. Well, just kind of, I, I think that's it for the questions, but just kind of in wrapping up, 
maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we could wrap up with just a final word of advice for any, anyone out there contemplating a career in performance marketing, what you would say to them. And then if anyone does want to reach out to you guys, can they reach out to you? And if you have any other sort of final message for our audience, please let us know now. Maybe starting with you, Mate? Sure. Um, Mate, you might want to mention to people that you're married. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're a really good-looking fellow, so reaching out to you, you know. You know, yesterday some, some actually Slovakian guy was picking up um, – and trying to reach reach out to me uh, during the conference, and he was saying like, "Hey, hi, my time from Slovakia as well." He used my number, call, just called me. I was like, "What the fuck, <laughs> what the fuck just happened?" <laughs> but I, I I really wish uh, that was some some salesperson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any anyway anyway, um um as uh, we we mentioned um, a lot of drama and, and click bites um i would like to stress that um not everything is going to be uh, that dramatic in the in the future um so please be careful when uh, you are reading any um any news any articles or any, or <laughs> trying to listen to us as well <laughs> and please uh, <laughs> um make your own opinion about this and i think like the future is is bright but it's just going to change a little bit in terms of ua and um, all these skill sets and everything um in terms of mobile marketing um so yeah that would be that would be my final final words uh can people get in touch with me yes uh sure um depends on what request <laughs> uh <laughs> no problem um but um final words this uh there are no final words because this this in words of advice uh well wanting to go into ua as a career uh definitely come because we need as much perspective as we can get from whatever background you come from uh and i've worked with uh, people say it's weird because I was flying satellites. I mean, I've worked with people who were incredible in the legal field and now are working as marketers. There are so many backgrounds, and I think that's what makes it really exciting. Just the people you work with come from so many different stories. And that really brings perspective. And we need fresh ideas. Uh, we need uh, fresh ideas. And not to sound a usual thing, we still have a pretty male dominated environment uh, and we need much more non-male perspective in uh in marketing especially when we're marketing products for non-male <laughs> and so um it would be nice to really get more uh, uh international gender diversity perspective uh not just sort of uh, academic and work backgrounds but also just life experience um and uh you know if you want just a stable easy thing then this is not for you at all because the the rule of the game change changes every day almost uh, but that's what's really exciting it's what get for me it's what gets me out of bed uh, there is something new and uh first reaction is oh, not again uh, you know but then the second reaction okay what do we do now you know what's the solution uh, so um, that's it's a very exciting space to be in, and, and no, it's not dying. That's just bullshit. 
You're not negative enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we are almost ending. So uh, all the negativity is just gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting Mate to give me a little bit of a harder time to be negative. No, but, man. But it's too easy. So, you know, I, well, I, I'm always positive. So uh, why, why give you a hard time? <laughs> all right guys well thank you very much for your time today i think that's it and yeah, uh, if yeah if everybody everyone uh, or anybody can uh or want to get in touch with me just linkedin or or any, okay like and i'll, web, I'll definitely website. put links in the show notes for anyone okay, who perfect. want to get in touch with you guys. yeah but he has a he has a paywall on his page so if you want to add him <laughs> you've got to pay 2.99 <laughs> all right of course <laughs> Bye, guys. Just for you. They're just for you. <laughs> thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs>